Welcome. Um, Why don't we pray, and we will jump into our chapter for this morning. Pray with me. Father in heaven, you are such a good and gracious God who is the giver of gifts, the, the author of all creation, the author of all blessing. Everything that we have and that we enjoy is because you have given it to us, and we thank you for the gift of this morning, the opportunity to be together with sisters who love you and desire to know you better, that we can explore your word together, that we can understand how you have crafted your story better, all so that we can praise and glorify your name. We pray this morning as we are considering these things together that you would um, give us insight, that you would help us to be transparent, you would help us to love one another well as we share, and we pray that above all those things you would be glorified and magnified today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, so disclaimer first off, we have moved the thing that controls our technology up here, so I should not lose a signal this time. (laughs) So we are going to try using the screen again this week. Um, We have been working through this this pattern um, in our book, discovering how God has put a pattern of the kingdom into his word. And we're just going to review this chart that we've been working our way through Um, go ahead and pull yours out if you've been filling it out. If you haven't been filling it out, feel free to do that as we go today. Um, But we started way back at the beginning with the pattern of the kingdom. So who can tell me what is the pattern of the kingdom? Nice and loud, because I have hearing aids and you all are out there, and so I need you to be loud enough that I can hear you. I'll wait. And how did he set that up in the beginning? What was that pattern in the beginning? Okay. That was God's people. Okay. Okay. Good job. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So the pattern that was established was God's people in God's place under God's rule. And at the very beginning, at creation, we have this pattern established where Adam and Eve are God's people. They are in the garden, which is God's place. And they have God's word and perfect relationship with him. And they are under his rule and blessing. Then what happened? What was that? Sin happened, yes. And so then we end up where, what is the new pattern that we have? There is no one who is God's people because sin has separated Adam and Eve from God. They are banished from the garden, so there is no God's place where the people are. And they are living as the result of their disobedience and under the curse. So then we move, but we get this, this little glint of hope as they are banished from the kingdom, don't we? We get this, this idea that this is not where the story is going to end. And so what is the promise that we are getting Do you you want me to go ahead and fill it in for you, and then somebody can just tell me what it is? (laughs) So we we encounter Abraham. Abraham is given a promise where um, God is going to give him an offspring, and therefore God's people will be Adam's descendants, or not Adam, Abraham's descendants. They are going to be given a land, the land of Canaan, which I have to say every time I say that now I think of Hannah. (laughs) If you don't know, Hannah's son's name is Canaan. Um, which I think is just a a very fun thing to make a connection to. Um, And then the blessing that's going to come is going to come through Adam's descendants to the nation of Israel and to the entire world. 
or the nations. Then we got into a period of time where things weren't necessarily going all that great. Um, They were kind of building up for a while, right? We had kings. um, Israel was given their king. uh, The kings were, we get David and Solomon, and they were ruling well for a while, and then Solomon starts making some really bad choices, and it just kind of goes downhill from there. Um, But we have God's people, and they are in God's place. They are in the land of Canaan. They have Jerusalem and the temple, and they have their king and the law. So things are kind of going along smoothly. But because they go downhill and they are no longer being obedient, they are um, kicked out, right? And so in the next section, when we were talking about uh, just a couple weeks ago, we have the remnant of Israel, uh, in, which included the nations in, in the prophecies that we were looking at. Did it? No. <sighs> okay, that's all right. We're going to be fine. So we had the remnant that came back from exile. They were promised that they would be brought back into the land, but they were also going to start including the nations into that promise that was given to them. Um, they were going to build a new temple. They were promised a new creation. They, they built that new temple, but it never got filled the way it did the first time, so it was, it was kind of incomplete, so they were still looking for something more. Um, and then we also have the promises and the prophets of a new covenant and a new king, but we haven't quite seen that yet until we get to this week, where we get into the present kingdom. And here is where, um, I think it was three or four weeks ago, someone kind of stole the thunder a little bit. Like the, the, the way that this pattern plays out when Jesus comes on the scene is who is God's people? Jesus. And where is God's place? Jesus. And what is God's rule and blessing? Jesus. Like we get to do the Sunday school answers today, Right? But this is where things start to get really pleasant and exciting because we kind of, we're more familiar with how this works because we are living after this point in time in history. So we kind of have a little bit better of a handle on how this all operates. So we also want to remember, like the last time I was trying to show you this, and I don't know why it's not working, um, that we have, this isn't just sections of a chart, but this is one whole story. That's the whole point of why we're doing this book is to understand that all of scripture is telling one whole story. And we've been kind of working our way up and we've kind of hit this high point, right? So we have the, the, the fall, which is like this crash on the, on the storyline. If you flip your chart over, you have the, the plot diagram there. We had this crash after the fall and then things started to go really well with some of the kings and being in the land. And then they were exiled and it crashed and fell again. But, and we have this period of time where, um, well, so we're just going to kind of walk through and we're going to tell the story, right? Um, I think sometimes it's helpful to have someone just kind of tell you the story. And the reason why we're going to do that this way is because we're going to practice telling the story ourselves, not just hearing me tell it. But I want you to be able to have your mind wrapped around it well enough that you can tell someone else the story. So there's this beautiful thing where the God of the universe decided that he wanted to display something of himself. So he created a world. He created a universe, and that universe was perfect. And because he wanted to show even more of himself, he created man and woman, and he placed them in this place that he created. And they were good, and they were perfect. Both of them together demonstrated a good aspect of who God is, and they demonstrated that to the creation around them. But then something happened, right? The, the woman was deceived, 
she rebelled against the rule that God had set in place. To, he said, don't eat from this one tree. You can have all of this, but don't eat this. And he had good intentions for that. But she was convinced by an evil one that she was being withheld something that she needed, that she could achieve something. And so she decided to listen. And she decided to listen to him instead of listening to the God who made her. And so she ate of that tree. And then she shared it with her husband, and her husband ate from that tree. And then it broke. This perfect and beautiful creation that God had made was broken. Because it was broken, they couldn't stay in God's place anymore. And I think I've heard some people say before that that was mean. Like, why couldn't they just stay there with him? Actually, I think that's one of the first elements of grace that we see in Scripture. Because if they had stayed there and been able to continue to eat from the tree of life that allowed them to live forever, they would have been forever in brokenness with God. But God wanted something more for them. And so he removed them from his place so that the rest of his plan could be enacted. So they were kicked out of the garden. Kicked out seems really harsh. They were, they were sent out of the garden. It's harsh. Sin deserves harsh punishment. It's deserving of that. So we don't want to shy away from that. So yes, they were kicked out of the garden because they deserved to be. But God didn't leave them without hope. He promised them that one day there would come a man. There would come an offspring who would be that one who would defeat the serpent, who would defeat the brokenness, who would defeat the sin that separated them from God. And so he put them out into the outside of the garden, and they, life was not easy. He, um, they continued to have children, and we're not going to hit all the details because this is a really big story. There's a whole reason why there's thousands of pages in your Bible, right? So we're not going to hit all the details. But they, they are outside of the garden. They're continuing to have children and to grow. Things are not going well. We know that at one point things were so bad that God decided he wanted to start over. But even in that element of starting over with the flood, he saved a family so that they could continue the story, so that that seed, that promised offspring to Eve in Genesis would continue. We have the flood, the new creation after the flood. The world comes to life again. People begin to fill the earth again. And then we have Abraham. Abraham was, I'm not sure, I don't think we're told really what it was that set Abraham apart, but something God decided to choose Abraham. He chose Abraham to be the one who would father his people. So Abraham's given this promise. He's, he's old, has no hope of having children, and God says, yeah, you're going to have a kid. And he, Abraham's like, what? That's not possible. But we're going to see a lot through this, that oftentimes the things that make the most difference are the things that we have no control over. They're the things that only God can do. And that's on purpose. So Abraham, Abraham continues to um, have his family and the descendants. The, the, and there's, sorry, it's, I'm okay. It's been interesting. So um, anyway, Abraham has his children. They continue to grow as a nation. They end up in a drought and end up in Egypt because they need food. They are outside still of the land where God had promised Abraham that they would go. But God made a way for them to be rescued from Egypt. 
after they had become this large nation, but they were slaves to Egypt, he rescued them. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them right to the edge of the land. And then they doubted him. That's like, would you do that? I mean, yes, we probably would do that. Let's be honest. Um, We'd be standing there at the edge of this, and we'd be getting this report from the spies that there are these really big people, and we would doubt because we are broken, sinful human people who are just, I don't know. I don't know what the right word for it is, but we would do it too. So because of that, they were made to wander for 40 more years before they could enter the land. Comes to the time where that generation of doubters had died, and it was time for them to enter the land. Joshua takes them in there. They, they overthrow these people that had been in the land that God had promised them, not because they were fantastic and mighty and strong, but because God did the fighting for them. Over and over, we're going to see that it's not because of what they did. It's because of what God did. So they're in the land, and then they ask for a king. But they ask for it for the wrong motives, but God gives it to them anyway because that was always his plan for them to be ruled by a king who would represent him to them and them to God. So they have the king. The kings are, we have David, who is the greatest king of all of Israel, leads the nation into prosperity. It's a really wonderful time, but he is kept from building the temple because of his sin with Bathsheba. Um, And then Solomon is born. Solomon builds the temple, and God comes to be with his people in his place, and they are under his rule. But Solomon starts to make, who is the wisest, starts to make really unwise decisions, listens to his way too many wives of the wrong nationality. Like, if that's not an example for why that shouldn't be allowed, I don't know what else could be. Um, And then they start to become disobedient. They begin to not worship the way they're supposed to worship. And as a result of the original consequence that they were given when they were going to enter into the land, because they were not obeying the covenant, they were going to be removed from the land. They entered into exile, and they live a period of time where they are not in the land that they were promised. But even while they are in exile, they are given hope. We, we remember from when we were learning about the prophets that the prophets didn't really spend a lot of their time telling the future. They were reminding Israel that this is what God told you was going to happen. And these are the consequences that are the natural result of that covenant that you made. But there's also hope that God has given you that this will not last forever. There will come a day when you will be re-entering the land where you will have that king, where things will be made right. And so they're waiting. They're in exile and they're waiting. And then when they come back, they build a new temple and they're waiting for God to come back. But God does not fill the temple because this wasn't the intention. The, the, the building, the temple, wasn't the ultimate goal. But we still have this sin issue that we have to deal with, right? All along, God has also set in place the system of sacrifices to atone for sin. But, but animals, the blood of animals, is not sufficient to take care of human sin. There needs to be a, a better sacrifice, And then comes on the scene, this baby. And when you read in the first chapter of Matthew, you start to see this genealogy of this baby. Like, like they knew that they were waiting for that promised king to David, that that heir that would stay on the throne forever. So whoever this was going to be, he had to be a descendant of David. So you're going through that genealogy, and you start to see this baby is a descendant of David. That's kind of cool. Maybe this is him. 
when he matures to adulthood and he begins his ministry, he starts going around and he's doing all these fantastic things that people are kind of wondering, what's going on? The people who are in leadership, the Pharisees, they're accusing him of doing it in the power of Satan. But there are other people who are watching and they're seeing him demonstrate that he has power over creation. He has power over uh, human weakness and sickness. He has power. He declares himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Like, these are things that, like, no one does this because you could die for doing this, but yet he's doing it and he's not afraid to do it. Like, what makes him so different? We start seeing all these little things where he's fulfilling these promises that have been given for thousands of years. And, and some people are starting to recognize this is him. This, this is that promised Messiah, the promised king, the promised one who was going to come and make everything right. But I think they were still waiting for someone to come and make everything right like David did. But that's not why Jesus came. Because ultimately, what, kept, what broke things was not the lack of a kingdom and not the lack of a, of a defined land here on earth. But what broke things is that we are not in the garden anymore. And we are not with God in perfect relationship. And so what needed to be dealt with was what broke it in the beginning. And that was our sin. That was how we are, how we are rebelling against God's rule. And that needed to be atoned for. And they had that pattern in place of sacrificing something, acknowledging that blood needed to be shed in order to atone for that sin. And so what Jesus did is he willingly walked himself to the cross, put himself in our place, and allowed himself to be killed so that his blood would be a sufficient sacrifice to atone for the sin of humanity. Fully human, so his blood is fully sufficient to atone for human sin but also fully divine so that the life and the blood that he gave was perfect blood. Because he was perfect and didn't deserve to die, that makes the sacrifice all the more sufficient. And then we have that glorious news, right? Like you you might even wonder when he's dead, was that enough? But we're not left to wonder if that was enough. Because what happened three days later? He got up from the dead, Like, death had no more hold on him because he was perfect and because the sacrifice was complete. It was done. Like, I'm going to try. It's okay to cry when you're up here talking. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's just overwhelming, I think, when you just consider how amazing and complete the sacrifice of that one person was for the millions of people who have existed since the beginning of time. How perfect did that blood have to be to be that sufficient? Just sit in that for a minute. And then what's even more beautiful is that all I have to do in order to be restored to that relationship that was broken in the beginning is to just trust that that was enough. All I have to do is to just say, I'm going to trust that. I'm not going to keep striving. I'm not going to keep trying. I'm not going to keep trying to to figure it out myself. I'm not going to keep trying to set my own rules to make everything okay. I'm not going to keep trying to build a bridge to nowhere because it's impossible. I'm going to rest here 
in the knowledge that what Jesus did was enough. There's a lot more that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks because this isn't actually the end of it. This is where it starts to actually get fixed, but we're not fully fixed yet because we still live here and we are still in this broken world surrounded by broken people. We are still, we are, we are in that gospel tension of now and not yet. We are made righteous because of what Christ has done, but we still struggle with sin and we still make mistakes and we still have weakness. And oh, I look forward to the day when I don't have that anymore. So what we want to explore a little bit together this morning is what are the ways, you, you, in your homework, you had these uh, passages that you were supposed to go and look at where it talks about all the promises that were made in, in the Old Testament about this Messiah, about how this was going to come to be, how this fixing of the, of the problem and we had these um, we had these themes, you know, that that pattern that we were talking about. Is that? Hey, look at that! It showed back up. Um, so let's let's talk some about how are these themes fulfilled? And and I think, like I said in the email that I sent you last night, the homework was right to say there are a lot of ways that you could um, find those fulfillments in those verses. A lot of things that you wouldn't have enough room to fill up your, on your paper to write everything down if you wanted to. So you were supposed to just pick a few that stood out to you. So I want you to start throwing those out, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write them up here, and we're going to kind of explore a little bit, because I think just in that element of me telling the story, there were parts that I focused on versus others, and there's probably a reason why those things stand out to me as really important. I think it's good for us to explore why certain parts are important to us and other ones aren't, not because we're wrong, but because it helps us to understand how the Lord has worked in our life to bring us to this point. And we'll see in a little bit how that helps us when we talk to other people. Um, So what are some of the ways that the promises are fulfilled, um, the promise of God's people, how is that fulfilled in Christ? Because, I mean, we already said that's how it's fulfilled. But tell me, give me details. How is that actually accomplished? What was the Isaiah one? And, and what did you say that that one is? Okay, so um, there promised that it would be a blessing to the nations, right? There would be a nation, and that... For God's purposes, and then in Isaiah, it's promised that that nation will include the Gentiles. Okay. All right. Sorry, Adrian. Can you say that again? Okay. So in Luke two, we, um, it says that we've come to that time where the Gentiles are, are going to be included in that nation. It's no longer something that's going to happen in the future. Luke says that time is now. Sorry, my handwriting is atrocious with this. Anybody else? Yes, Lois. Okay. Good. 
That was a lot. I'm not going to be able to repeat that. Hopefully you heard it. If not, you should ask her because she is very insightful. <laughs> What's that, Marielle? Okay. Um, it was, she was kind of going over the same verses that we did before and talking about how, um, see, I'm not going to be able to summarize it well. <laughs> okay. So um, if you didn't hear Ashley, I can Ashley summarize. I'll summarize Ashley's. Um, Isaiah was talking about how we've all been in darkness. And then when Jesus comes, he is a great light. And so because of Jesus, we can be brought out of the darkness and into the light. Is that a quicker summary there? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and that they're included by Jesus, right? So Jesus made a point of including the Gentiles into his ministry. Um, so yes, that was not right. The marginalized Gentiles, right? There, I think that's right. Anybody else? What else stood out to you about how Jesus fulfills the pattern as God's people? Yeah, Holly. Okay, so um, because Jesus starts, so how does that, how does Jesus fulfill that, though? Okay, good. So because Jesus has redeemed these people, these people, are, they're not just left on their own, scattered around, but we are identified as one through the church. Is that, Okay. Yeah, so the people is no longer a, a, a genetic race of people but it is, or a nation of people. It's going to be a spiritual nation of people, um, those who are redeemed and in the church. Yeah, that's good. So if you didn't hear, Chris said that it's, it's, we've always been identified as God's chosen people, but we're no longer chosen because of a, a nationality, but we are chosen because of adoption where we are all included in that chosen people. It's been redefined. Yeah, Lauren. Yeah, so that ties in with what Adrian said, where it's no longer a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, too, where this physical picture that we have in the Old Testament is pointing to this new spiritual reality that becomes true because of what Jesus has done. Yeah, that's really good. Yes, so Lois is pointing out that we also need to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in this. That Simeon, in the, um, in the passage that we looked at, um, he saw Jesus as a baby, recognized him as his Messiah, and then was able to die in peace because the Holy Spirit revealed that to him. And all of this work, since Jesus is, has ascended, all of the, the new birth that happens is happening through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So we don't want to ignore that either, um, that he, the Spirit plays a huge role in the creation of God's people. Is there anything? Yes, Liz. Oh, I was going to say, thinking about Jesus as when Jesus gets to be my representative. Yeah. And that's not fair, that he's perfect. Really great news for your organization. Yeah, so did everyone hear? So the, the idea that because Adam sinned, all who were born after him, he is that representative. We sin because he sinned. And that, 
that didn't always seem fair to Liz that she is relegated to this kind of a life because of Adam's choice. And, it, and it's not fair. But then because we understand that God works through representatives, then when Jesus becomes our representative, that's also not fair that his perfection is then transferred onto us as unworthy, undeserving people. But what joy that is that even that the bad, the hard representation of Adam is made perfect and glorious in the representation of Jesus. Is that, yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Yeah. What's that? He's the new Israel. Uh, explain what you mean by that. Yeah, so all of these things that we've been writing about what Jesus did, that's what Israel was supposed to do from the beginning, and they never did. And so he is the new Israel, the, the, the true Israel, because he's doing what they should have done. Adrian, were you going to say something? Okay. Yeah. So um, she said, we also have that picture uh, when Jesus in the wilderness and he resists the temptation that Adam and Eve didn't do and that Israel didn't do when they were in the wilderness as well. And so we have that picture of how he fulfills that uh, place as God's people, that position as God's people um, perfectly. So let's move then to how does Jesus uh, fulfill the theme of God's land and God's place? So Lois is pointing two weeks ahead to the new heavens and the new earth that um, because Jesus has come and has done the work of salvation, we are then saved to a new land. The, yes, that's, that's good. But I think there's still a way that we're seeing that fulfilled now while we're still waiting for that. So what are some ways that Jesus fulfills that the God's place part of that pattern now through the church okay how so okay okay so in yeah um so lois is talking about how in the church and in the community that we have as believers we are we are given that family. We are given that the kind of a place to belong is what you're what you're. Yeah, I think that's good. That's a good part of it. Let's think some about what was the purpose of God's place. What what did what what happened in God's place? Yes, Lauren. God with us. Yeah. So Emmanuel, God with us. So the place was always where God and man met, right? That's, that's where they were going to be together in that place. So in that, Jesus is God with us. And so that makes this his place. It kind of makes the whole world his place in, in some instances. Yeah, so um, Angelina.
Right. Yes. So prayer, because as the Holy Spirit intercedes, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get it word for word. I never do. Uh, intercedes for us, and, and then Jesus intercedes for us, then we are brought into God's presence even though we are here. It speaks to that we are no longer looking for a physical place, are we? We're looking for a spiritual place, and that place is where we are rooted. It's where we meet with God, and that can be here up on this platform. That can be there in your chair, Kate. That can be um, on the other side of this globe. It, it's no longer restricted to the boundaries of one physical land. And so we have the Emmanuel, God with us. We have, um, yeah, Holly. I was just going to say, um, I've, I've been reading in First Peter a reflection of physical hospitality, where it says, Therefore, since you have received a kingdom that is not of this world, Right, so we the people become the place. Yes. Yes. Good. So she's talking First Peter, what was the First Peter 2? Two. Um, where, yeah. <laughs> Um, where Peter is talking about uh, you come to Christ who is the, the living stone, and then we are living stones as well, and we build up that house. Um, I'm, so there's, there's that, yes. Yeah, so it's not just where we are. It's who we are together as a people. It's who we are whenever we are in his presence. And because of the Holy Spirit, we are always brought to his presence, like Angelina said, so that's good. Um, I also, for me, the thing that stood out to me was um, John 1, where uh, tabernacled among us. Like we spent last year in Exodus talking about how the tabernacle where it was where God was going to dwell with his people. And Jesus was that tabernacle. He, that is how he dwelled with his people. That has always been a beautiful connection to me. Anything else? Okay. Let's talk about how God's rule and blessing. How does Jesus fulfill that element of the pattern? So Hannah started talking about how they were given the law, and it was through obeying, obeying the law that blessing and peace would come to them. But they didn't do that very well. But Jesus, when he came, he perfectly obeyed that. He fulfilled that law. And then it's through him that we are able to experience that peace and blessing. And then we, um, she talked about the, in, at the tabernacle, you had the fire and the smoke. But then at Pentecost, the fire came down, the little fires, which have you ever wondered what that looked like? Like, I'm a, I'm a picture kind of person, so I wonder sometimes what that looked like. The, the little fires came down and, and settled upon the people as the Spirit filled them, and now through that and through his presence in us, our presence is what administers that peace and shalom to the world around us. Very good. I like that. I'm just writing notes. And who else has something? I'm sorry, Lois, say it again. Okay. Okay. And, and you have a problem with that one. Yeah. 
I don't really have an answer for that. Um, <laughs> so uh, Lois is, is struggling with the, the passage that we looked at in Jeremiah about how everyone will, will have the opportunity to be saved. Um, and, and so thinking about there are evil people in this world and um, how do you reconcile with everyone to the fact that not everyone, is that where you're struggling? It says everyone, but we know it won't be everyone. Okay. Um, that would be a great thing for um, us to talk about at, at some point. Um, but because of the format of what we're in right now, it's probably not a great conversation to have right now. But I would love to talk a little bit more about that with you. Um, so maybe we can do that later. Okay, great. Thank you, though. Um, there were other... Yeah, Angelina. Okay. So the... The second one that you said was he wouldn't remove his love from us. What was the first one? Um, Our sins will not be remembered. remembered. And both of those accomplished because of what Christ did on the cross. Holly. So Holly says the promise wasn't actually for a physical blessing, but that the blessing is we get Christ. Like, we get him, um, and which is so much better than anything else that we could get. Um, and that relationship with him is, is the blessing that we get. Did I miss anything? Okay, yes, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to, Chris had her hand up first, so I'm going to have her. So it's uh, the blessing, the Jesus fulfills the rule that we don't have a, a list of laws that we need to obey, but that the prophet said the law would be written on our hearts. And so now it's, it's through the, the, the Holy Spirit and the joy of the freedom that we have that we are able to actually obey and, and live life according to the way he planned. Is that, Yeah. Okay, so I'm running out of time. So what I want, the reason why I wanted to kind of talk about these things is, and I had you think about it too, is for me, when I was thinking through how Jesus fulfilled these things, I thought a lot about the ways that he filled the promises, like promises kept. That was a big deal to me. And I realized that the reason is because I come from a background of a lot of broken promises. And so to me, one of the things that makes the gospel so beautiful is that it is a kept promise, right? And so for some of you, maybe there is a different aspect. Like um, if you ever go to a Simeon Trust conference, they talk about the gospel as like a diamond, right? It has all these facets. You can come at it from so many different directions, but it's this beautiful jewel that you treasure. And so for you, maybe you focused on a different aspect of the gospel. Maybe it was 
It was the, um, the justice, that, that justice was satisfied at the cross because you came from, uh, your story has a lot of injustice in it. And so to you, that's what makes the gospel beautiful. Or I don't know, what are some of the other things that you thought of, of why maybe the aspects of the gospel that you pointed to in here is what made it beautiful to you? What are some of the, the just give me one or two, because I'm actually going to have you talk with the people at your tables about those. And I'll explain to you why after I can get one or two people who will tell me something different than mine. For what asset, why, why is this beautiful to you? Say that again. Chosen. chosen. Okay. So the fact that, that we are chosen is beautiful. And that may come from a place of maybe where you weren't chosen. Yes. Um, and and um, that's, a, that's a beautiful one. What, what else? Holly. So I'm So Holly talked about how God entered into our suffering and bore our suffering so that we never would is a beautiful thing. And, and that could come, I'm not saying anything about your story, but that could come from if you've had a really hard life, um, maybe you've, you've suffered from sickness or you've suffered from loss, then to know that you've been spared from even harder suffering because Christ entered into and endured and experienced that suffering for you makes that really beautiful. So here's why I think it's important to kind of think about these different things. Because we don't just do this kind of a study for our own knowledge. And so that we, yes, we want to understand the story better. We want to have a better grasp of Scripture, but not to keep it for ourselves. We want to understand it so we can tell people, so we can help other people know this beautiful, glorious story that we're learning. But sometimes, if you're like me, you're not quite sure how to start the conversation not quite sure how to, how to turn that conversation into a gospel conversation. But you certainly know how to talk to people about themselves and their stories. And if you can find that part of their story that is made beautiful because of Jesus, then you have your in. So if you're talking to someone who is enduring harsh, harsh suffering, you can offer them the beauty and the hope of the God of the universe who entered into that suffering, experienced it, and then suffered for them. Not because it's going to take away what they're going through now, but like their ultimate suffering has been taken care of. Or if you're talking to someone like me who has a bunch of broken promises in their life, did you know about the one who kept every promise he ever made? Let me show you in the story that he wrote about all the ways that he kept his promises. And how beautiful that is. And because he kept every one of them, that means he will keep his promise to you too. So what I want you to do for the rest of the morning is to share with the women at your tables that part of your story that makes the gospel beautiful to you. Not just because then you have the experience of telling somebody, but then it helps us to understand the other ways that the gospel is made beautiful so we have that arsenal of connections that we can use when we are talking to people later. Does that make sense? It's kind of what I wanted you guys to think through. And then I, I said I was going to ask someone to come up and, and try to do what I did earlier, but we're out of time, so we're not going to do that, so you're all off the hook for that. Um, 
But if you do have time in your discussion, maybe someone at your table would be willing to walk through the story using their connection point of how they would explain the story of Jesus to someone who is having a particular struggle or a particular facet of life that needs to be addressed by the gospel. So let me pray, and then Mary Alice is going to come do announcements in a few minutes, and then you can start working on that in your tables, okay? Thanks, guys. Lord Jesus, you have filled every promise. You have kept every promise made, and we are so thankful. You have endured suffering. You have chosen. You have made it possible for us to be adopted into your people. I pray this morning as we um, share with each other that we would be willing to be transparent and honest about maybe some hard things that have made your gospel more beautiful. I pray that you would give us all sensitivity, that you would have us um, to remember that this is a grace-filled place, that you have already done the work for us, and we, we do not need to fear Lord, we praise you for your beautiful and marvelous plan. We pray that you would help us to understand it better so that we can not only glorify you in our own hearts, but so that we can tell others about what you've done. It's in your name that we pray this morning. Amen.